Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find your way, however you get your Bible, in book form, in app form, on a smart device. Go ahead and open that to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Today we get near the end of our series, uh, The Invite. We have been learning why it's important and how we go about becoming people who are comfortable inviting others to come with us. And we have a challenge that we hope next week uh, many of you will have invited folks and that they will come. And we want them to hear the good announcement of the God who is for us and the Son who is faithful and enables us to live faithfully. I'm getting ahead of myself because I wanted to just make sure we were all on the same page together. So week one, we looked at that the invite begins with a burden that we really care for someone. We want them to encounter Jesus. And so it begins with a burden. So if you're here today, or if you're in a watch party in our online campus today because somebody invited you to be with them, I want you to know that they care about you. They were burdened for you. They wanted you to hear the good news. And we'll be listening for some of that today. And so we welcome you. We're glad you're here. But we we are learning that the invite, to begin to invite people begins with a burden for someone. And what we what our burden is, is we want them to hear and experience the good announcement. Now the fancy churchy word for good announcement is gospel. And it means good news. But we learned in that second week that in our day and age, news really means opinion. Not necessarily something that causes a new action. But an announcement does. When you hear, listen for this announcement, you're... Listening, because you've got to know what you need to do. And this is a good announcement. That Jesus comes to us. And that's our our third week. We looked at it. The good announcement is that the Father is for us. And the Son, Jesus, His faithful giving enables our faithful living. That there is something good that He is calling us to. And so we are entering in. And today... We get to week four, and we want, us, we want you to know, and we're going to begin to explore, that the Holy Spirit enables us to witness. That's the invite, to share, to witness. So let's, let's look at this today in Acts chapter 1. We're just going to read three verses. I know we've spent three weeks in three verses. Today, we're just going to spend one hour, not, not a full hour. Ah, about 30 minutes in three verses. And because these are the words of Jesus to his followers, would you, if you can, stand in honor of the reading of the words of Jesus? Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, that's, they asked Jesus, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's the Word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want us to start with that phrase, and you will become my witnesses. Now, I want you to first point out, because you know, if, if you're brand new with us, you may not know this, but the Bible wasn't written originally in English. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scriptures, were written in Hebrew. And so we tend to do this as a congregation together. I I do a little bit of teaching because there's something in the nuance of the language that helps us. And today we're going to be doing some of that. So go ahead and take out some pen and paper or pencil and paper and you're going to want to write some of these things down. I want you to know that that you and you will become my witnesses is a plural you. In our English, you can be both plural or singular unless you're from the southern part of the United States. They have a great plural word for you, and it is the word, say it with me, y'all. Now, that's not Greek, that's southern. Y'all. And I want you to know that when Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses, it is the plural form. He's saying, y'all will be my witnesses. And what that means is that no follower of Jesus is exempt from becoming a witness. From becoming someone who testifies about what God has done in their lives. Y'all are to be my witnesses. This is not just for pastors. This is not just for missionaries. This is for y'all. In fact, we could get so bold and so southern that we could probably say, all y'all will be my witnesses. So it's important that we hear this. This is not something I click off my brain because, oh, I'm not a pastor, so I don't have to worry about being a witness. No. Jesus is saying to His disciples there, and as we're reading it, we hear those words to us as well. He's saying, y'all will be my witnesses. This is for all of us. Now, the word for witness in Greek is the word martyres, or at least that's how it's written here. It's actually martyreto, but we're going to say martyres because that's the word used here. Are you ready to say that together? Greek word martyres. Ready? One, two, three. Martyres. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Martyres. One last time so that you think about it when you leave here. One, two, three. Martyres. Now, martyres does mean witness. But I want you to hear how this is used throughout Scripture. In the Hebrew word, it is the word ud. In Greek, it is martyreo or martyres. And I have found that the Bible Project, I don't know if you guys have have gone to the Bible Project, the BibleProject.com, phenomenal resource. They just have an ability to sum things up in such an incredible and creative way. And so I just want you to watch this little video clip that's going to walk us through very succinctly and clearly about what it means to witness. So let's watch this together, shall we? 
When you hear the word witness, you might think of someone who sees something shocking or important and then shares their testimony with others. The word witness is used like this in the Bible too, but here's what's really fascinating. This word actually helps us understand the entire storyline of scripture. In the Bible, a witness is basically someone who sees something important or amazing. In Hebrew, this person is an aide, and in Greek, a martus. And if this person begins to share what they've seen, we call this bearing witness. In Hebrew, ud, and in Greek, martyreo. So in the story of Ruth, when Boaz buys land from Naomi's family, he calls together witnesses to see the transaction, so that if there's a later dispute about the land, they can bear witness about what they saw. So that's the basic meaning of the word witness. Now, if we follow this idea throughout the Bible, we learn that God wants a group of witnesses, people who see and experience him to ood or represent him to the world. So beginning with the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel witness Yahweh as the powerful king of the nations when he rescues them from slavery. Then he appoints this one nation to bear witness or ood to the rest of the nations about what they experienced. He calls them a kingdom of priests, or people who connect all other nations to Yahweh, the true God and King. But there's a big problem. The Israelites aren't good witnesses. In fact, they start worshiping other gods. So God raises up a chief witness, Moses, to ood or bear witness to the people who are supposed to be the real witnesses. When Moses meets with Yahweh on Mount Sinai, he sees and experiences God face to face. When he comes down, he oods, he bears witness to the people about his experience. He even writes a song as a witness so that they would never forget how God has cared for and rescued them. But as the story goes on, Israel does forget. They fail to truly see God, so they fail as his witnesses. So God raises up prophets who are like Moses to ood, to open their eyes to who their God really is. Like Isaiah. He has a vision of God as the cosmic king, and he's sent to Ut to bear witness to the Israel of his day because they're blind, they're corrupt, and they don't recognize God as their king. So Isaiah says that one day God will raise up the ultimate chief witness, a figure called the servant. He will open the eyes of the blind so that they can truly see Yahweh and bear witness to the nations that their God is the king who will rescue the world. And now, when we turn to the story of Jesus, we find him claiming to be that servant and witness spoken of by Isaiah. He's the ultimate witness, or in Greek, the martus. Crowds of people witness him saying that he's bringing God's kingdom, that it's here, right now, through him. They see Jesus healing people, even restoring sight to the blind. Many recognize who he is and respond to his message, but many others still refuse to truly see. Even the nation's leaders won't listen to him. Rather, they kill Jesus for bearing witness to God's kingdom, that is, for being a martyr. In fact, this is where the word martyr comes from. But then, after Jesus' death, something amazing happens. Jesus' friends see him alive from the dead, and they recognize that he is the divine king, Yahweh himself, who has come to rescue the world. After that, Jesus sends them out to martyreo, that is, to bear witness to the nations, to open their eyes to this risen king who has conquered death and who offers freedom and rescue and the hope of a new creation. And it's this story about Jesus that's been spread all around the world by faithful witnesses. And to this day, when someone hears the story of Jesus and experiences the love of God for all humanity, the most natural thing to do is to simply bear witness. Isn't that so good?
really quick, walking us through all of Scripture, how important this idea of being a witness, of bearing witness, is throughout the story of God and right down to today to us. I love this quote that she ends with. To this day, when someone hears the story of Jesus and experiences the love of God for all humanity, the most natural thing to do is simply bear witness. That's a beautiful quote. Something you might want to watch that video. You can watch these on BibleProject.com. Uh, this is every breakfast. Jackson and I are watching these videos. They have great, great uh, resource. But let's look at our passage today. Because Jesus says some things about where we are to be witnesses. And so I want us to look at that. Where are we to be witnesses? Verse 8 tells us, In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this sounds like a, you know, if, if you've got a geography map, you know, you might know where some of these places are or were. But we want to look at this, and I, I, I think this is where God has helped me to understand for our day and age what this might look like. What, when we say those places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You see, when those gentlemen who were Jews from that area would have heard these four places, the first thing, Jerusalem, would have been family. And yes, all of these will begin with F. All right. Jerusalem, that would be their family. That was the place that, you know, where uh, the Jews claimed was their, their city. It was the city of God, the city of David. The temple was there. And, and all of the stories kind of revolve around this great, great city. They would have known people. You know how to operate. You know what to do in that place. People are close. Everybody knows what's going on. Even though it's a larger city for its day, Jerusalem would have been interpreted as family. How many of you here have family? <laughs> yes, that's what we understand with Jerusalem. That it's important then to be a witness to family in your everyday life, in your home around your kids and your spouse and your grandkids and, and, and to, to have that happen in your family. Judea would be your friends. Those are maybe not quite as close as your family, but they're around you. That's that Judea. It was the, the countryside around Jerusalem. Those, those same things that would have been close like family, they would be similar out in that area. It's still a comfortable place to be. You're just there. I mean, we might be citizens of Kalamazoo County. But we don't feel that weird if we go to Van Buren or over to Battle Creek or someplace like that. You know, we're, we're okay. Now, if you get down into Ohio, I know we feel a little weird there. But, uh, uh, but, but this is the familiar. It is the friends. That's, that's what they would have understood from Judea. And Jesus is saying it's important that you bear witness to your friends around you, those that you're comfortable with. That's also where you're going to be a witness. Where else? In Samaria. And this is where that you would have heard the record scratch. Samaria. You see, Samaritans were looked at as the enemy. They were look at, looked at as the compromisers. They were looked at as the ones who were less than. And Jesus says the hard words to them. Yes, to your family and to your friends. Those are the easy ones. But guess what? You are also to bear witness to your foes. 
to the ones that you see as the enemy, you are called to be my witness even there. And lastly, he says, to the ends of the earth. And we understand that one. It just means the foreigner. To those places that are just completely foreign to you. You don't understand the language, the customs, the, the, the way people dress, the language that they speak. You are called to be my witnesses. All y'all are called to be my witnesses anywhere and everywhere is what he is saying. This is what we are called to. So if that's where we are called to, then what, in what ways are we to witness? And I believe there are a few ways that we can look at. And again, this will, these will all start with the letter C. But I believe the first way that we are called to witness to those groups that we just mentioned is through our convictions. Now, I, I, I want you to understand something about convictions. These aren't just things that you change at random. I love what Dr. James McClendon said about what a conviction is. I like his definition. He says, It is a persistent belief such that if a person or community has a conviction, it will not easily be relinquished, and it cannot be relinquished without making them a significantly different person or community than before. That's that's important. You may want to write that down. Uh, that it's, it's something that we hold so close to us that if we give it up, it won't be easy to give it up. And in fact, it will change how we see ourselves and how others see us. It will change the dynamic of who we are. That's what it means. In fact, what I would sum this up is that convictions are the beliefs that make people what they are or who they are. It is something that we hold So for you and I, if we are to witness through convictions, what does that mean? We have to ask ourselves the question, do you, do I have the conviction that the Father is for us, for human beings? That He is on our side, that He is looking for the best for us. And so much so that He gave His one and only Son. And His Son, Jesus' faithfulness, enables us to live faithfully out our convictions. Do you believe that? Hold that for a second. Hold the tension of that. If there's any part where you're saying, let's, let's, let's just continue to work through that. You're going to get some help today, I believe. The question you also have to ask yourselves is, okay then, we mentioned those, those people groups. How do people see those convictions lived out in you? Are you living faithfully? Dads, do your kids see you praying? Do they see you searching the Scriptures? Do they see you moving in that way, announcing to them that God loves them and is for them? I know I'm picking on dads, but we could say the same for moms and grandmas and grandpas. Do they see that? Does your family see that? Do your friends see that in your life? Not as a box to tick, but as something that is a conviction that shapes who you are, that holds your feet to the fire in good ways, even when it's difficult. Convictions. Let's look at number two is through conversations. Yes, to be a witness means you have to speak something. 
You talk to somebody. This is sometimes easier to do with our family and friends. But we are called to converse. And that means we have to ask ourselves the question, when was the last time that you shared, that I shared, that we shared our experience of God's love with someone else? I'm not saying, you know, you read them a Bible verse or, or, or quoted something to them or got into an argument with them, but you shared your own personal experience of the way God had touched you, healed you, helped you, strengthened you, led you through a difficult time. We do that through conversations. Number three, and this one's probably the most difficult. I hesitated to write it down. But one of the other ways that we witness is in how we handle conflict. Ouch. That hurts. But we have an example. His name is Jesus. And His death is the example of looking at how we handle conflict. Because Jesus died forgiving the ones who were killing Him. And it was at the foot of the cross, the Bible tells us, that a Roman soldier who had just finished driving the nails or the spear through Him, when he heard Him praying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. As Jesus breathed His last, He looked up and was the very first person to say, that was surely the Son of God. That the way you and I handle conflict represents, bears witness to what Jesus has done. Bears witness to the good announcement that God is for human beings. And God is willing to endure much suffering in order for them to understand His forgiveness. That is important good news through our, our conflict. The way we handle conflict bears witness. And lastly, it's through courage. I know when I started talking about this series way back a few weeks ago, some of you were quaking in your boots, if you have boots. Your flip-flops. Because this is scary to talk to someone, to share my faith. It does take courage. It takes courage to, to live out in a conflictual time the faith that we are called that forgives in the midst of it. It takes courage to have those conversations, especially those first conversations. And sometimes our families are the hardest place to have those conversations. But we are called to use courage as a tool to bear witness to our conviction conviction that God is for us and that Jesus is with us. This is not easy. And so we need courage. So let's move on because you're probably already wondering, okay, so how do we make ourselves do this? It's one thing to know where we're supposed to go. It's another thing to know the tools we have at our disposal. But how do we make ourselves do this? And the short answer to this question is you don't. At least not on your own. Let's look at the end of verse 8, shall we? Verse 8, we see Jesus saying, But you all, y'all, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
We've talked about how the Father is for us. We've talked about how the Son is with us. Today we look at how the Holy Spirit is in us. I often bless you before you leave with that very sending out. In the name of the Father who is for you, the name of the Son who is with you, the name of the Spirit who is in you. I do that because this is a part of biblical witness of going out. But Jesus says, this is how it happens. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, here's our Greek lesson for the day. Will receive is the word, it's a little difficult to say. Lame psiste. So it's lame psiste. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lame psiste. One, two, three. Lame psiste. And one more time for the Trinity. Ready? One, two, three. Lame seste. Now, it does mean to receive. Aren't you glad? They got, this, one, this one was done pretty well. What I want to draw your attention to today is what this receiving looks like. Because it is in the middle voice, which we don't have in English. And so I want, you to, explain this. I want to explain this to you because this changes some things, I think. Or at least it did for me. I know I'm a nerd, but maybe it will change some things for you. The middle voice is between active voice and passive voice. It is aptly named. It is in the middle. It is the middle voice. And what that means is it's between active and passive. And the subject, or you, are acted upon for the purpose of acting. So you're acted upon, that's passive, you receive something. But you are acted upon in order for you to become active. That's the middle voice. Here's, here's the best way I thought to, um, thought to show this to you. I need Andrew to come up here, please. Let's have a hand for Andrew Jenkins. He is on the track team, right? Now, you don't do a lot of this, this, right? You do a lot of this, right? Yeah, okay. He does a lot of the, the heavy lifting stuff, throwing things. All right, I'm going to give you the baton, though, all right? So in the baton relay... There is a space upon which the middle voice happens. I mean, I know that you're running, but I am, I'm going to be the, the person who receives. And so what has to happen? You put the hand back, right? And I receive it. That's passive. I received it from Andrew. But now my goal is to be active and run on. Our problem today is that oftentimes... We can sometimes act this way as followers of Jesus that we think, oh, I am acted upon, I received something so that I can run down here and sit in a pew for at least an hour a week. Is that what we're called to? No. You were, one more time, I just don't want you to forget about the middle voice. Passive but I am given something in order to be active, in order to go, in order to bear witness. Thank you, Andrew. Let's give Andrew a hand. I hope hope that 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 sits with you well, that that's something you'll remember because you were given. You can receive the Holy Spirit. You only have to open your hand, which means you can't be holding on to anything else. But you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in order to become a witness. 
in order to bear witness, to use the tools that we have been talking about. That is what you are called for. You are being given something passive in order to do something active. So what are you being given? I want you to look at this. It is the word power, right? That's what it says. You will receive what? Power. Greek word for power is the word dunamis. It's pretty easy to say. Ready? One, two, three. Dunamis. And the, the ooh in there is actually kind of a Y shape, so it almost kind of looks like dynamite. Dunamis. It is the word dunamis. But dunamis, we think of power, and power has a negative connotation in our day and age, doesn't it? We say that absolute power corrupts what? Absolutely. And so I was, I was interested as I was looking through that it is power is the way it's traditionally uh, uh, translated. However, it also means energy or ability. That you will receive ability. That is a power, isn't it? You will receive an ability to become a witness. You will receive the energy and the ability to begin to do this. When you receive this energy, this ability, you receive it. So how do you receive this ability or this energy? In verse 8, we see this. Is it and you will receive ability, energy, when you complete your seminary degree? No. Is it? And you will receive this ability and this energy when you memorize all the church creeds? No. Is it? You will learn how to receive ability and energy when you learn how to interpret Greek and Hebrew? No. But how fun would that be? What is it? And you will receive ability and energy when what? Say it together. The Holy Spirit comes into you. I know we traditionally say comes on you or comes upon you, but those are all wrapped up in that word. On you, in you, into you. In a way that fits you. It's all wrapped up into that. And so today, as we close, I want to ask the difficult question. Because so often as pastors and in churches... We ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that God is good all the time? All the time, God is good. But sometimes we forget to ask the very question and give you opportunity to receive the very person who will grant you ability and energy, yes, even power, to become a witness. Remember way back, Dr. Cl Clarissa said that when we experience God's love for all humanity, the natural thing is to bear witness. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will experience the love God has for you and for all humanity. And it is that that will give you the ability, the energy, yes, the power to bear witness to that love, to your family, to your friends, to your foes, to the foreign places in the world, through your convictions, 
through conflict and how you handle it, through conversations and through courage. All of that comes when we open our lives, our hands, to receive the Holy Spirit in order to become active witnesses. This is important to help you live out all of those things we've talked about. But the problem is, in the church today, and I'm sure it was a problem back then, most of the time we would rather have certainty of knowing and control like the disciples wanted in verse 6. Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, that's none of your business. That's, that's God's business. You don't worry about certainty and control. I'm not interested in giving you certainty and control. I want to give you energy that will enable you to become witnesses. I want to give you the ability that will lead you to actions that witness to God's incredible love. I want to give you power that will lead people back into God's arms. Because He is for them. And He loved them and He gave me for them. And I want that for you. Don't settle for certainty and control. Lean in and ask for the power that will lead you out. And transform your life. That's where we are called. So we have to, I have to ask the tough question of myself. This passage just confronted me this week. And I hope it will gently confront you and you online. Are you just going to settle for certainty and control? Or are you courageous enough to pray for power, for ability, for energy, to learn how to invite, to share all the things we've learned today? So right now, I want to give us opportunity to do that. If you're watching online, you can do that right from where you are. And we're going to sing a chorus that we learned last week. John's going to come and play, and Lori's going to come and sing. And I want us to sing this together. And this is a beautiful prayer, I think, for opening our hearts to the Holy Spirit. To pray that Jesus would send... Fulfill His promise that He promised long ago is to sing, Here I am. Here I am. You can have it all. You can have it all. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. We're going to sing this through here in just a second. It's pretty simple. Here I am. Here I am. You can have it all. You can have it all. I want us to sing that. We'll sing that four times. I want you to ask yourself right now, in the presence of Jesus, am I willing to let Jesus have it all? Right now, in this moment, so that I can receive. To empty my hands so He can place more than just a a baton in them. But He can give me power, ability, energy to become a witness. Church, we will never be fully followers of Jesus until we receive the power that we need to become witnesses. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is to bear witness to Him. To share. To lean in. So let's sing this together four times. I'm going to invite us to do something. Let's sing.
your prayer and I'm going to invite you just to stand right where you are this is where the courage comes this is where the Holy Spirit brings the ability, the courage to stand and say here I am, here I am, you can have it all but I also know that for some of us we may have been tra- you know, traveling along this road with Jesus for a long time and maybe we've gotten stale or something and we need to sing, sing that in renewal. And, and for some of us we're in that right now and, and it's just our testimony. The Spirit's already with us to say, here I am, you can have it all, you can have it all. So as Lori sings again, if you fall in any of those categories, I'm going to invite you to just stand and sing. It's okay to lift hands. It's okay to worship. It's okay to to say, here I am, just like you were kids or students when you're in school. It's okay to say, here I am. Here I am. You can have it all. Lori, would you lead us? Here I am. Here I am. You can have it all. for us. 
ground us in that acceptance. Jesus, thank You for showing God's willingness to suffer and die that we might know His acceptance, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, His healing. And we pray in our here I am's that You would send the Spirit to enable us to witness, bear witness to Your love, to bear witness to God's acceptance to our family, our friends, to our foes, and to any place in the world You would call us to. We are Yours. Yours alone we only ask for the energy, the ability, the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. We pray and we receive these things and we accept them because the Father is for us and the Son is with us and now the Spirit is in us. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful Labor Day weekend, huh? I hope you have a great weekend. I want to send you out with blessing. And now, my friends, may y'all receive the Holy Spirit and the energy, the ability, and the power that comes through Him being in you. May you never forget that your song is always, Here I am. Here I am. You can have it all. You can have it all. And may you experience the joy, and it is true joy, to bear witness to the love you have found through Christ our Lord. And I send you out to enjoy your Labor Day holiday with all of its burgers and brats and hot dogs and family and fun. And I pray that you would go in the name of the Father who's for you, in the name of the Son who is with you, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in you, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great holiday weekend. Thank you for joining us online. We hope you'll come back next week. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.